Vikings went from playoff season to decision season very rapidly. That's the way the NFL works. Uh, one day they're hoping to make a playoff run. The next day they're deciding whether or not to keep their defensive coordinator, whether or not to uh, keep their quarterback, whether or not to keep some great veterans like Adam Thielen and Eric Kendricks and Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson. As you know, uh, Jeff, from running NFL teams and going through the playoffs, it's quite a change once your team bows out. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's, it's always a difficult time, especially when you, you have high hopes for <clears throat> a reasonably long playoff run. And I said last week, I thought that obviously it's been a, a fantastic regular season with a lot of drama, excitement, but, but there is a damper if you lose that first playoff game. And, and I've been there, I've, I've seen that before. And I, I think, I remember back in, for example, Denny Green's first year in, in 92, we had come off a, a losing season and he comes in, we win the, we win the, the division and then Washington comes in and beats us in the, in the wild card round of the playoffs. And of course that Washington team was loaded uh, probably more so than this Giants team, but it is a, a letdown. There's no doubt. And so now you have to pick up the pieces and, get back to work. And I think that's what Quasi Adolfo Menza and Kevin O'Connell are doing this week, that they're, they're analyzing the roster, trying to figure out how they fit uh, a very big extension of 30, over 30 million a year for Justin Jefferson into the, into the salary cap for next year when they've already got to, got to probably clear about 15 to $20 million, which is not that difficult to do. When you've got some contracts you can restructure, you've got some veterans, as you mentioned, that may not stick around. And But I think it all starts with your quarterback and figuring out his situation. And they can very quickly free up probably, oh, I don't know, probably 20 to $30 million in cap room by just giving him a, a, a short extension. It, it becomes a little more dicey after that last play of the Giants game, which has certainly been well discussed, but I'll throw my two cents worth in on it. And to me, Jim, it's kind of sad what happened with Cousins on that last play because he had his best season here, even though stats-wise it may have been a little bit down. But, hey, 13 wins and eight come-from-behind victories and all the things that happened – and showed a lot of toughness, more personality, a guy that you would want to count on for the future. And then at the, at the most crunch time, fourth and eight, down seven points in the fourth quarter, season on the line, how can you throw a check down to TJ Hawkinson? Now, I'm, I'm not totally blaming Kirk on that play because I think it was a bad play call by O'Connell. Uh, I think that he should have had all of his eligible receivers, including Hawkinson, who was the main guy in the game with over a hundred yards receiving should have had all those guys running routes past eight yards. <laughs> and so there, there should not have even been a check down available. And yes, Dexter Lawrence was bearing down on him, 
But to me, throw it up to Jefferson, just like you did in the Buffalo game. Give him a shot. The best receiver in football. Give him a chance. And it didn't happen. And that is, unfortunately, the lasting image from the season and brings all the the Cousins haters out. And it's just, I think it's sad because the guy had a really good season. And if, if you just ignore that last throw, which you can't do, <laughs> then you say, yeah, extend him. He's going to be here three more years at least. But that last play, man, that was just awful. He's Jeff Diamond. This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. This is one of our football shows at TalkNorth.com. Jeff, of course, the former general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, former president of the Tennessee Titans when they came a foot away from winning a Super Bowl. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. You know the deal. Tons of great shows up. We have the Viking Update Show, Cheryl Reeve, Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, John Krasinski, John Millay, Joe Anderson, Mike Grimm, Dave Lee. Uh, we always have so many shows. I can't always remember them all. We added some cool hockey shows. We have outdoor content. Check it all out. The best way to listen to any show you like, including this one, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. Thanks also to our sponsors, our longtime sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. All right. So the, the first big decision that probably has to be made here is defensive coordinator. Um, and you've You've been through all of this. You've been through the decision-making process. You've had to hire and fire people. Uh, even if they have decided, which I have heard they have, that they're going to move on from the defensive coordinator, how hard is it to actually call somebody in and fire them? And and what's the timetable? When, when does it need to happen if it's going to happen? It needs to happen immediately because they, they want to get access to the top candidates. And, and I'm certainly not surprised that, that – it's probably going to happen. I think it should happen. I think it's it's tough because Ed Donatel has been around the block, has been in the league for whatever, 30-plus years, and he gets it. He won't be surprised. It's too bad because I think, I think the guy is probably a, a good enough coach in the league, but he just wasn't able to get it done here, and not all his fault because – Talent-wise, they just were suffering from a lack of speed on the field and and some players not coming through at crunch time. And, I, and I'm talking specifically about Zadarius Smith, a, a guy who was so great the first half of the season, and then he started developing those knee issues, and he had one half of a sack the last eight games. Well, that, that's not what you're expecting for the money you're paying him and for the production you need from him, because we've said all year the key to the Vikings' defense was was Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith, and they had to put pressure on the quarterback, and that just didn't happen consistently enough in the Giants game, in the playoff game, and really over the some of those other losses late in the season to Dallas, to Detroit, to Green Bay, and Hunter played pretty well down the stretch, but Zadarius, whether he was banged up or whatever the case may be, I thought he would be better in this game because he had come off the – he had missed the, the Bears game, the final game. But he also was going against a, a second-team all-pro tackle on Andrew Thomas. But why didn't they move him inside then and rush him up the middle like they were doing early in the season? Those are some of the things that you say to Ed Donatel, why didn't you adjust? Why didn't we see more of that? And 
not as much blitzing. And where were the linebackers to contain Daniel Jones, who's running wild in this game with 78 yards rushing, killing him? The touchdown run, the first touchdown run by Saquon Barkley was, I thought, embarrassing tackling. And you're counting on guys like Shannon Sullivan, who I think is a very marginal player. Duke Shelley, who's basically a a second or third string corner. And Cam Bynum, who is not as talented as Lewis Seen, who's the guy that they had hoped would be the starting safety by this time of the season. And, of course, he was out for the year. So it's not all Ed Donatel's fault that Seen got hurt, Andrew Booth Jr., the second-round pick, got hurt, and they were counting on him, and a Caleb Evans, who I thought was a really good player and, again, had more speed to bring to the field, and he got hurt. And then Cam Dantzler, basically, between his ankle issues and poor play on the, in the second half of the season, he had gotten off to a good start this year. Then he is not even active in the playoff game. And so it's just a, a bad situation at corner on top of not getting the pass rush and even against a, a, an offense that's not great in the Giants. But they're not bad. <laughs> and, and I expect them to, to play Philly fairly tough. I don't, I don't think they're going to win the game, but I think, they'll, I think they'll make a good showing because now they have the confidence. And they've got Dexter Lawrence, who's a beast inside. I think the other big problem for the team in the Giant game was Garrett Bradbury coming back from the injury. He just wasn't ready to play a full game, I don't think, against a premier player in, in Dexter Lawrence. And when they lost O'Neal, Brian O'Neal on the offensive line with that Achilles injury, it was pretty obvious that it was going to be a struggle offensively. And even though they moved the ball reasonably well in this game, but again, I I think the pressure on Cousins, he took 11 hits in this game, wasn't sacked surprisingly, but, but all the, all the hits and and the pressures and that definitely contributed to that, that last check down play. So it's not all Donatel's fault, but he's going to be going to, going to obviously, take the fall I'll be surprised if he doesn't yeah I agree with you I've heard that uh, he is on the way out but you know until it's done done it's not done Uh, let's go now to some of the veterans you know Adam Thielen uh, there's been speculation he might retire there's some speculation he's prepared to move on to another team Uh, certainly doesn't feel like he'll be back with the Vikings Uh, what what do you think about his situation what do you expect him to do yeah I, I don't I don't know if that's really true because there, there's a pretty strong dead money hit if they, if they let Adam go or try to trade him. Um, I, I'm thinking it's, it's in the $15, $16 million range. And so do you really want to absorb that on a guy that still has 70 catches and, and still can be productive in an offense And when the offense isn't necessarily the problem? Now, maybe there's a restructure again with Adam or something. Uh, I don't know. And, and yeah, our agent firm represents him. I haven't really had a chance to, to have a conversation with everybody over there about it. But I think there are certainly other targets that they can free up some money. And there's speculation about Dalvin Cook, for example, what happens there. There's speculation about Zadarius Smith. Will he be back? 
and they've got to deal with Daniil Hunter's contract. So there are a lot of issues that are definitely there. And meanwhile, you've got some very good free agents that you probably want to bring back. I'm talking about guys like Dalvin Tomlinson, who is kind of the meat and potatoes guy inside uh, with, with Harrison Phillips. And you've got Patrick Peterson is another guy that maybe you move on from. He had a not did, did not have a good game against the Giants. Gave up really two touchdowns in coverage, even though he he's great great leader and all that. And and maybe he can stay one more year. But what do you do with Bradbury, <clears throat> for example, Alexander Madison? Now, if you decide to move on from Dalvin Cook, then then you can put some money into Madison and and have him be your lead back and and have Wang Wu and, and Ty Chandler as kind of number two and three. <clears throat> so I, <clears throat> there are obviously a lot of issues to deal with, and that's why GMs are GMs, and they have to figure it out. And it, it's, it's going to be a challenge, but I know one thing. <clears throat> I think the Vikings are a good football team with a potentially great offense if that offensive line is at full strength. And O'Neal, he'll come back and be fine. Darisaw made a big step this year to more of an elite level. Unfortunately, he also had a huge false start in that game that was maybe one of the biggest plays of the game that people overlook in the final analysis. If Cousins picks up that quarterback sneak with however many minutes left in the game, I think it's about 12 minutes to go, and the Vikings can take the lead instead of having to kick a field goal after the false start, that's a huge play. And really, there were two false starts in this game. The one that wasn't called on Andrew Thomas when when Daniel Jones hit Hodgins on, on the touchdown pass and the one that was called on Derrissaw. So it's a crazy game. Things happen. You have to overcome the obstacles and the adversity, which they did all year in those 11 one-score wins and couldn't quite get it done against the Giants. Let's talk about Dalvin Cook next. We do want to thank our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, my great friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Gutrell, their fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume, Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com, and you'll see 2.9% APR on all GMC Sierra 1500s, 3.9% APR on Buick SUV models, 3.9% APR plus $750 purchase allowance on GMC terrains, no monthly payments for 90 days on these great vehicles. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore, and they are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut, so visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. And thanks to another longtime sponsor, Platinum Bank. Platinum Bank, great sponsor. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization 
and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder and have personally experienced tremendous customer service working with Executive Vice President Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream. And if you're a business owner or looking out for new advertising opportunities and you'd like to advertise with this show or our network, you can always reach our sales executive, Karen Cleary, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y, at talknork.com. So the Rams won a Super Bowl with pretty much a you know, handful of average running backs. Uh, we haven't really seen a team depend on a running back and win the Super Bowl since Marshawn Lynch and the Seahawks. And really, that they won the Super Bowl that year as much because of defense and everything, and Russell Wilson is, as they did their running game. Uh, mo- the modern NFL model is don't spend too much money at running back. Do you see that philosophy playing out here with Dalvin Cook? I think there's a good possibility, but he still was a 1,100-yard rusher and – had a, a, a good season catching the ball out of the backfield, a few drops here and there. But I think that Dalvin is, is a, as I said, a really interesting case. Do you want to potentially weaken an, an explosive offense? I don't think that Alexander Madison is at the level of Dalvin Cook, even though I think, for example, power-wise, he may be even better. Uh, and in short yarders, and they really didn't give Madison any carries in, in the in the giant game per se. But he doesn't have the breakaway speed that Dalvin's got that we saw on display several times, such as the great comeback against the Colts. But again, you have to make your decisions. What what can you afford? What what can you do? Now, when you talk about Jefferson's contract, everybody assumes, whoa, he's going to go to $30 million a year. Well, that's not going to be his cap number for the first year or two because he'll get a big signing bonus, he'll have a lower base salary, and his cap number can come in at a very reasonable, probably $10 million or so level when they, when they give him whatever $30 million plus in signing bonus and spread it out over five years – and then you give him a low base salary. He could, they could even have him as low as, as a probably a, a seven or eight million dollar cap number. So he's not the problem cap wise this year. He will be in a couple of years when his contract increases base salary wise, which is why I don't think it's a foregone conclusion at all that they don't keep guys like Cook and Thielen, Kendricks. Harrison Smith, some of these high-salaried guys, and just restructure their contracts, extend their contracts, because they were a 13-win team. So it's it's not as if you have to totally start from scratch here, and it's also a 13-win team that's going to get reinforcements from players like Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth Jr., a Caleb Evans, Brian Asamoah, I think, is another guy that was very much missed when he suffered a concussion in the first half and they couldn't use him on the field in the second half at all or even late in the first half. He's a guy that maybe could have helped cover or track down Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley because Jordan Hicks just 
is is too slow, and and that's one guy that they're gonna. I think very likely that they will probably release him and pick up about five million dollars in, in cap savings next year. He's under contract, but but he he can be released without a, a big dead money hit. And I, I think you you keep Kendricks, who's been a, a Pro Bowl or an All Pro player. I, I do think Eric had a little bit of a learning curve and was not as effective this year in that 3-4 defense after playing 4-3 his whole career. We'll see if whoever they bring in, if they do indeed fire Donatel and bring in a new defensive coordinator, are they going to go back to a 4-3 or keep the 3-4? O'Connell made a big point back in training camp of saying, or even back in the offseason in OTAs, how difficult he thought it was to go against the three, four and Ed Donatel type defenses. So maybe he wants to keep the three, four, but with a different coordinator, that would probably seem likely. And and I thought there was a decent chance, for example, Jim, that if Brandon Staley had gotten fired by the chargers, which he deserved to do after that meltdown against Jacksonville, blowing the 27, nothing lead and, and his crazy fourth down decision-making and he doesn't go for fourth down on fourth down in this particular game that would have given them a chance to go up by two score or three scores and Jacksonville comes back. I thought I thought that Staley might get fired, except the Chargers don't have a lot of money to pay him. <laughs> so they instead they fired the offensive coordinator. <laughs> but not to say that Staley's necessarily safe at this point, but it sounds like he is. Yeah. And I thought he was a candidate. I think you even mentioned that that he might be a candidate for defensive coordinator. With off his off his history with the Rams and and having a, a tight connection with with O'Connell, so but there are other guys out there that that he could bring in and and we'll see how this shakes down in the next couple of days. I expect that we'll hear something very soon. We're recording on Thursday morning, so by the time you hear this, maybe there will be news on that front. Uh, we are going to defer all discussion about Aaron Rodgers because I'm sick of him and we don't need to talk about him yet. Eventually, he will be a topic. I thought it was really interesting that Rob Gronkowski came out and said, hey, why aren't you talking about championships instead of you being an MVP? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, so that's my one shot at Rodgers today. We'll take many more shots at Rodgers in the future, at least I will. For today... Uh, and we'll continue to talk about the regular season, the playoff game, uh, how the Vikings might match up, how the Vikings might evolve here. Uh, but for today, we do have four big playoff games coming this weekend. Let's preview each of them. Once again, thanks to White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank and our producer, Brandon Morton. And let's start with probably the least appealing of the matchups, uh, Jacksonville going to Kansas City. Yeah, it, it, it least appealing sometimes turns out pretty good. True. <laughs> as did True. As did the... Uh, Jacksonville and the Chargers last week <laughs> that people thought, ah, oh, <clears throat> maybe a close game, but <clears throat> not necessarily that exciting a game. And then all of a sudden, all kinds of fireworks. I, I think what's, what's interesting, and, and I wrote about this in my 33rd team column this week, about number one seeds. And it, it's been five years since the number one seed went, went on and won the Super Bowl. The last four years, the number one seeds have not emerged with the Lombardi Trophy, including last year, was two number four seeds, the Rams beating Cincinnati. So it's no sure thing for Kansas City or for Philadelphia that, that they're going to emerge out of this. But I, I think that 
the Chiefs will find a way to, to beat the Jags, but I don't think it's going to be easy. Part of the thing is that there's a lot more pressure on the number one seeds, especially, especially when you're a big favorite like Kansas City against Jacksonville. So, so the Jaguars are kind of playing with house money here, and they could just go into Kansas City loose and let her rip. And Trevor Lawrence, he's a talented guy a crazy game against the chargers with the four picks in the first half and the four touchdown passes in the second half. But yeah, I'll, I'll take Kansas city. I, I'm going to say by a touchdown. I, I think I'm going to go bigger. I just said, Hey, it's, it is fascinating that number one seeds aren't the locks they once were considered to be, but I just think Kansas city rested at home is, is too much for Jackson. I'll go by Casey by 10 giants at Eagles. Daniel Jones looked really good uh, on Against the Vikings, they do have defensive talent. Uh, the real question here is, is Jalen Hurts going to be 100%? He's not on the injury list. Is he going to be sharp? Uh, how do you view this one? Yeah, I think, I think this is closer than what a lot of people think. I think that the Giants, again, can go in and figure, hey, we're big underdogs. We won last week as an underdog on the road. They're going to go in with confidence. It's a division rival. They know how to play Philly, even though they got crushed by them last time. But that was with a healthy Hurts at, at that point. I, I think that this is going to be, again, closer than people think. I think that the Giants have a game record in Dexter Lawrence. Now, the Eagles have a better offensive line, and they've got a Pro Bowl center in Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's brother. That's going to be the matchup to watch in as far as when, when Philly's on offense against the Giants' defense. But I think that Giants' defense was underrated overall and has some pretty good pass rushers. So I, I think I think Philly wins this game, but I, I, I'm going to say it's probably maybe a three, four, five-point win for the Eagles, and it's not going to be easy. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants pulled it off, but I, I think I, I'll pick Philly. Yeah, I'm right with you. That's exactly the way I would view this. I don't know how sharp Philly's going to be, but I think they pull it out. Bengals at Bills. Uh, Bengals are a little banged up. Uh, two really good teams. Two really good teams that were on the field when DeMar Hamlin uh, had his cardiac arrest. Playing in Buffalo in the playoffs. How do you view this one? Yeah, I think I think this might be the can't-miss game of the weekend, it, along with San Francisco-Dallas. The, the Bills... Make me a little bit nervous. Josh Allen's still turning the ball over, kind of, kind of let, letting teams back into games. Cincinnati, I think, is a really good good football team, very underrated on defense. They've got guys who are not household names like Logan Wilson, a former third-rounder from Wyoming. Well, he had a big game. He was the one who, who forced the fumble at the end of the game against Baltimore that was returned by Sam Hubbard, another third-rounder. For the for the ninety eight yard touchdown, but the Bengals didn't play great offensively in that game either. So I think this this is a, a, another close matchup. I, I'm going to pick Buffalo to win, but wow, I, I would say very cautiously. <laughs> and I love Joe Burrow. I love watching him play. He's just got so much confidence. He's got great, obviously great receivers to throw to. Buffalo, I'd feel better about them if they had Von Miller. So I'll take the Bills, but I think it's going to be really close. 
I agree with everything you just said. I too love Joe Burrow, and he just it's just it, anytime you pick against Burrow, you feel a little queasy. Uh, now, Cowboys 49ers, you know, for TV purposes, this is the game. Uh, the Cowboys are all endlessly fascinating, even though they haven't done anything since Jimmy Johnson got fired, basically. Uh, 49ers, you know, maybe the best team going right now, number one defense, uh, number one story in the NFL, Brock Purdy. Uh, what do you think about this one? Yeah, Brock Purdy, what a story he is. Just uh, now 6-0 and as a starter. Plus, plus a save in the in the other game that he that he played most of the game, but he's just got so much talent to work with and a, a, a great offensive line, a, a great running back in McCaffrey who stayed healthy. Samuel Ayuk, Kittle, <laughs> man, it's an, it's just such a such a great group on offense, and then defensively, the number one defense in the league. And even though they had some issues at the end of the season, but I like San Francisco in this game. I think that Dak Prescott's coming off a great game, and he can go into San Francisco with confidence. But I think this 49ers defense is just better than what he saw with Tampa Bay's older guys on defense there. Nick Bosa is a, is a game wrecker for the 49ers. I'll, I'll take San Francisco in this game, and I, I think they can win by 10 points. I, I, I really think that they're going to – that, that Prescott's going to make a couple mistakes. He's going to revert back to what he, how he was playing when he was up and down. And I, I definitely like San Francisco in this game. I, in fact, they're, they're still my pick to go all the way. And uh, it's hard to argue with anything you just said. You're absolutely right. And the Cowboys are playing a second road game with two days less rest than the 49ers and, and you know, four more flights than the 49ers. There's every reason to pick the 49ers. My only thing I would say, watch this. Purdy, in his first playoff game, started bailing out early and scrambling to his left. And he threw had to throw the ball away a lot. He almost threw an interception from there. Uh, if he's if, – if faced with a very talented defense, he starts getting flushed to the left constantly – that could change everything. Uh, he's got to learn. He's got to climb the pocket. He's got to show more poise in the pocket, and he's going to do it against Micah Parsons. That's the one place where this game could turn for me. And I agree with you there. I think that yeah, certainly Parsons and that Dallas defense could could really make make an impact on this game. And <clears throat> and so we'll see that uh, yeah, the Cowboys have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. I just think. They'll make mistakes on offense, and I think that will turn the tide. But, but yeah, the Parsons matchup defensively is really important, obviously, for the San Francisco offensive line. We will get into more Vikings issues, more Vikings news, more NFL news, and continue to talk about the playoff matchups here at, at Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. For today, thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com.